Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about piano teacher notes. Welcome back, lovely teachers. Great to be here with you again. Hope you're having a fabulous week so far. Today's show is maybe a little bit of a different style. I don't know, maybe every week is a different style. What do you think? (laughs) Apart from it being my voice, we do try to mix things up here. But what I thought I'd do today, basically the post on the blog today is from Joanna and it's about piano teacher stationery. And that might sound like a boring topic for some, especially some outside the teaching profession, But many of you will agree with me that it's not boring at all. And what I thought I'd do here on the podcast is take you on a little imaginary tour of my piano teacher room and the various forms of notes that I take in my teaching. Because I actually get a lot of questions about that, about how do I keep track of things? What's my organization system? Am I typing notes to myself? Where do my lesson plans go? And so, yeah, I thought I'd do a little tour of mostly physical and some digital notes and how they fit together for me. Now, this is not a course. It's not something where I'm giving out advice that's applicable to everyone. It's more of a sneak peek at how I do things so that maybe you can get some inspiration from that and maybe it'll just be interesting to you (laughs) if you're a bit nosy about things like that. Okay, so let's start at the biggest thing. Let's start with my whiteboard. So in the, on one side of my room, beside my second piano that mostly I play or a second student might play it sometimes, a former teacher at Colorful Keys called it my Elton John piano in my room because it's white. (laughs) Anyway, above the white piano, I have the white board and it's a little white board. It's not very big. It's about an A3 size, I would say, if that means anything to you. And it's from Ikea. It's cheap as chips. We love Ikea. Yeah, so I keep that there on the wall. It's easy to see at that point from the table where we play games as well as from the two pianos if people just uh, turn around in their seats basically. So the whiteboard is something that I use for a couple of things. It's used for what you might expect a whiteboard to be used for sometimes which is you know a little scribble to explain something. Maybe a student isn't getting something and I just think of a visual that would help them. I do use the whiteboard for that sometimes. However, I more often use my handheld whiteboard for that. So I have a little, actually I have a few of them, a little like 
literal board. It feels like a placemat that I can carry around the room. And I, I more often use that because we're sitting at the piano and I'm explaining something, etc. The most common thing I draw on the whiteboard is something like the circle of fifths. And it's usually when my students are also drawing a circle of fifths on a piece of paper. So I go through this exercise a lot when students get to a certain level. They need to practice drawing the circle of fifths over and over. And initially we're playing games that use, you know, relative keys or something like that. Numbers of sharps and flats, orders of sharps and flats. And I want them to use the circle of fifths as a bit of a cheat sheet in the beginning to give them, get them used to the system before they use their internal circle of fifths once they have a strong enough visual. But to create that strong enough visual in their head over time, I like to have them draw it. So the first few times they do that, I do it with them. I do it on the whiteboard and they do it on pieces of paper and I draw a plus sign. And then we put two segments between each of the quarters and then name all the major keys first. And then we do the minor keys in a different color on the outside. And then once they get used to doing that, they will do it on a piece of paper without me doing it on the whiteboard. And then eventually... They don't need a piece of paper at all and they can do it in their head. That's just to illustrate one thing I might use it for. So a lot of stuff like that where I want the student to draw something, I know they'll need walking through it. Like drawing a treble clef is another thing that comes up a lot that I'm doing on the whiteboard while they're doing on a page. But that's not actually the most common use of my whiteboard. It comes up quite often. But what I love it for myself and what I've had a whiteboard for for many, many years, since before I changed where my teaching room is and which whiteboard I'm using, is for little lesson plans, especially for groups or for when I have a lot to cover and it's not my normal lesson format or whatever. I'll often use it for lesson plans. And these are just bullet points. It's just literally different items that I want to do in the lesson. They're more like reminders to me, as in like I have a proper plan, either written out or in my head or a combination And what goes on the whiteboard is just a reminder. So yes, students can see it. I don't mind that. If they say, oh, that's what we're doing. I'm like, yep, we're up to here so far. Because I don't mind being transparent with them about my plans. That's fine. So yeah, I'll write down name of a game and then a shorthand for something, some activity I'm going to do, etc. As I said, a lot of the time this is for groups. It might be occasionally for a solo lesson if I feel like I need the reminder. I prefer this to doing that on a notebook because it is more transparent with the student. They can see it too. And it's easier for me to glance at. I can write in nice big writing and I'm not, you know, looking down at a notebook and then looking back at them. It's easier for me to just glance around the room and see it without disrupting the student or kind of, yeah, distracting them by me looking down all the time at a notebook. Okay, so getting a lot smaller now. I also have two physical notebooks that I use in my studio. The first one is a planner or a diary, or some people will call it a calendar, even though that makes no sense to me because a calendar is a separate thing. Whatever you like to call it, journal. It is a notebook with all the dates on it. So I do still buy an old school style planner with all the dates for the year. I love picking out a new one each year. It's something that gives me great pleasure. I actually... I'm the designated planner buyer for myself and one of my friends. (laughs) So it's her part of her Christmas gift every single year is this planner for me. And I try to find a unique, different one that still lies flat, lies open nicely and the pages don't bleed through and all that good stuff. But what do I use the planner for? I use that for little reminders. It's really there's only a few words usually on each 
day. And this will be things like stuff I need to get done on specific days rather than a general to-do list. It's more when it's time sensitive or specific in that way and not really big projects. That's when it goes in my physical handwritten planner. And it's also little reminders about stuff with students as well. So if I'm in a lesson and I suddenly think, oh, I need to bring that book for them next week, I'll just quickly jot it down on that day, on their lesson day in the following week as a reminder to myself. Because I know I look at that planner every day and there'll never be a time when I get to lesson time without looking at, at it during the day. So I know that then I'm guaranteed to remember it. And this isn't so much about remembering it. I have a pretty good memory for stuff like that. But it's about removing it from my brain. So if I write it in the planner, I get to forget about it. And that is valuable. It's not so much about ensuring that I will remember it as it is about ensuring that I don't keep ruminating on it almost in my brain, right? So that's the planner. I mentioned I have another notebook and this is a very general notebook. It has all sorts of stuff in it. So it has, you know, vibrant music games, plans and sketches and stuff like that. It does have to-do lists or as I prefer to make them top priority list meaning like if I get nothing else done I'll get these things done so that I don't feel restricted to doing things only on the list it just clarifies for me the top priorities and it will have sometimes notes about lessons so if I'm brainstorming about something and I want to come up with different ideas and pros and cons that kind of thing that will all go in my notebook because those are things that I think are better done by hand. At least for me, it's more free to do it by hand. Yes, there are tools out there for mind maps, etc. I don't feel as free to explore different ideas unless I have a pen in my hand or a pencil. So finally then, I'll just explain how these planning systems, these written notes, bits and pieces fit in with what I do digitally. So for me, as you may have noticed, apart from the little reminders maybe in my planner, the written notes are more of a sketchy, creative, freedom kind of avenue. What I do digitally is much more concrete and systematized, and I think the two go hand in hand very well together for me. So in terms of digital notes, I really have three things that are important to note here. Pardon the pun. First of all is our weekly progress sheets. I mentioned this a lot. So this is a spreadsheet where we have a tab for each student, a sheet for each student essentially. And there are categories along the top and dates along the side. So the categories are things like rhythm, practice, oral work, books they're using, pieces they're practicing. So they're just brief notes that we keep. And members, you can find this in the training library if you're curious about this system. You can get a template there as well as a video where I walk you through how the system works. But these are our progress notes that we keep every week. And I'm saying our because it's me and the other teachers here. Every student has one of these sheets to keep track of them and how they're doing and how they're progressing. Then for actual assignments and notes about the assignment and where we're up to with it, that's all in Vivid Practice. So this is the app that I developed and that we use in our studio. You can find out more about it at vividpractice.com. And we use that for tracking assignments with students. We can also see their practice history and their assignment history. And this is what acts as their assignment notebook essentially as well. So that's not handwritten in our studio. 
And then finally, we have the parent progress updates, which are in Google Docs, although I, I then copy them when I'm sending them to parents into my music staff because it's just a bit of an easier workflow for me. But we compose them in Google Docs and we do that basically three times during the school year. So that's every three months for us. Like we basically, well, it's a nine and a half month year here in Ireland for the schools. So the first three months in, and then six months in, and then at the end of the year, we do these progress updates for parents. And they have similar categories to what I just mentioned in the weekly sheets, but they're written to the parents, more filled out, less shorthand, less teacher vocabulary that a parent wouldn't understand, so written out nicely for them. Not too much writing, but enough to give them a good sense of how their child is progressing and how well we're keeping track of all the different areas where they're progressing. So those are my main systems I guess. Um, my main different ways that I take notes in my studio. I would love to hear about yours, how they're different from mine, maybe some inspiration you got from this episode. You can find me over on Instagram, we're at Colourful Keys over there and I'd love to chat to you. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.